that is the key thing there is length, structure, and then outline, and then writing becomes so much easier for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudoua, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, these last few months have been particularly interesting. We keep saying these are interesting times. Times, yes. And I believe there was a Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. (laughs) But there's no actual substantiation for that. It was something John F. Kennedy said, Mm. but nobody can trace it. So he might have just made it up. You never know. He might have made it up, but yet he was actually speaking about the year 2020. Who would have guessed, Mm -hmm. you know? From 1961, maybe. But these are interesting times. Yes, they are. And we've had more and more people see IEW, the Institute for Excellence in Writing, in various ways than ever before. It's so interesting. I have not been on an airplane or gone to a conference Mm -hmm. since the middle of March. Right. So for some months. Mm -hmm. And I would normally in four months, attend somewhere between 12 and 15 conventions, right. talking to a great number of people. Mm-hmm. But because of all of the online events, the right. virtual conferences and webinars and Zooms, and of course, the thing that we did. Right. On, Our online writing conference. Yeah, on uh, June 27th. Mm-hmm. I believe it's possible that I have connected yes. with more people this year than any previous year where I would have been spending a lot of time and money to get out there <laughs> and share with people, mm-hmm. you know, what we do. Yeah. So uh, interesting times, um, unexpected. Yes. And then, of course, we have the phenomenal situation of parents who don't know if they're going to actually be able or right. willing to send their children to schools right. in the fall. And so our web traffic has probably doubled at least. And uh, our uh, Facebook groups, you know, um, homeschooling help, unexpected homeschooler, Mm -hmm. uh, what to do kinds of groups are exploding. So in a way, it's, you know, an opportunity beyond the the normal year. Exactly. So we've been at this for at least 230 weeks, Andrew, (laughs) every week. And and sometimes, sometimes we talk about things that are for those that are new to IEW, sometimes we talk to those that have been around the block a few times. But today definitely falls into the former category. Perhaps you're new to IEW. Perhaps you've just learned that mm, you don't know how long you're going to be doing this homeschooling thing. But at least you're going to start. I heard once a saying, I think it was Garrison Keeler. Mm. He said, there are no new jokes. They're just new people. New people. So right. maybe that's the case. Yes. There's 
no new information, but there are lots of new people. So what are we talking about? Well, this episode is focused on teaching and evaluating writing. And that kind of cuts very nicely into two halves, teaching and evaluating. So you're going to make two episodes out of this, I can tell right now. Right now, two episodes, the first half being teaching writing. Now, of course, I have in front of me the seminar workbook that accompanies the teaching, writing, structure, and style teacher training course that you taught and teach. So we're going to go through that whole thing in (laughs) in the next 17 minutes? No. Which which is exactly what I'm going to say we're not going to do. No, no. But the idea is kind of that overview and just some basic questions that a teacher, whether they're a teaching parent or a school teacher, or even if they're just a parent who wants to help their children learn. Sure. How are they going to teach writing, Andrew? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's a series of decisions, mm-hmm. as most of life is. You have to decide whether to get up out of bed or not, <laughs> right? Sometimes the decision is made for you, and then sometimes, you know, the decision is a true option. Mm-hmm. So I like to try to simplify that okay. process. So if someone says, yes, I want to teach writing to my children. Well, the first question is, do you want to teach or do you want to buy something okay. that will teach? And, you know, from the beginning, IEW has been about teaching parents and teachers mm-hmm our system of structure and style. If you don't want to teach, then you should shop. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I think if you wanted to shop, you would start at iew.com slash SSS. Yes. But, uh, you know, we're talking today about people who want to teach. Okay. But let's just go back to that. I just want to shop. iew.com slash SSS. What does that even stand well, for? Well, Structure and Style for Students. Mm. It's our newest course. It's our best thing we've ever done. It is, in a way, um, it's not even plug and play. It's just play. Mm -hmm. There's no plug necessary (laughs) because it's streaming available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although we do have the DVDs for people who like that. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, we just got to a point where we said we need to do this. So we started with um, this idea that we would do a whole year. So 24 weeks three different levels, grade three to five, six to eight high school, and just do a complete 24 weeks. And I don't know why we did it, but we thought this is going pretty well. Let's go for another entire year. year. So we actually have, if you multiply that out, three levels times two years is six years, 24 lessons, which equals 144 video classes of me teaching a live group of kids Mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. And it's a great option. Yep. So that's the shop. That's the shop. They wouldn't necessarily need to learn the method. The teachers wouldn't. They could just let their children watch it. But... But it would be hugely helpful if they could get into the mind Mm -hmm. of me. Right. Um, (laughs) What what am I thinking while I'm doing all these Mm -hmm. things? Because... You know, it's kind of like if you take a snapshot at one part of a whole sequence, you can't necessarily 
extrapolate where where are we going with this right and that's why of course you know the teacher course is so valuable mm-hmm. but um, to get back to the decision tree okay good. and and we like decision trees yes. because that helps people figure out okay where do I go mm-hmm. in this big big world either you want to teach or you want to shop if you want to teach then you basically have another decision okay which is to give assignments or to not give assignments. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, you know, it sounds like a no-brainer, but there are some people who have the idea that if you just kind of give kids paper an opportunity and cheerlead them and get excited and enthusiastic, you can somehow inspire them to learn writing. Mm -hmm. And I would say there are a, a number, a small number probably, of children who would respond to that mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. But there are many children, probably a super majority, who would just say, no, thank you, and go play with Legos or, you know, go to their dollhouse or run outside and say, I prefer not to. Yes. <laughs> Somewhat like uh, Bartleby. Bartleby you know. the Scrivener. Uh, so I think most people who, who encounter this decision realize that in most cases, you need to give assignments. This is the task. This is the challenge. And then, of course, the whole question is, how do you do that well? How do you structure it in such a way that the student can be successful, Mm -hmm. which causes them to enjoy the process and be willing to engage in the next step? So, And just uh, when you say that right now, I just can't help but refer our listeners to your motivation talk on children like to do what they think they can do. Children like to do what they can do. Oh, what they can do. Okay. And they want to do what they think they can do. Okay, great. And those, of course, very closely related. Yep. But, you know, a an experience of success leads a person to say, I want to try that again mm-hmm. and maybe at a little bit higher level. That was fun. Let me do, let's try that again. Yeah, I like I, that. Yeah. Because my son is a personal trainer at a gym. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would say Are you I one have, of his victims? I mean, clients? Yeah, victim, <laughs> client, um, you know, patron. I have, I have experienced this to some degree, you know, as an old person. <laughs> oh, wow. I did 10 reps at that many pounds and I did it. Mm-hmm. I, I I was able to do it. There's mm-hmm. a satisfaction there. And then there's that thought, well, maybe I could do more. Mm-hmm. I could up the reps or the pounds or both. You're very competitive, Andrew, so this is not well, hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'm also not, you know, a super buff muscle man either. But <laughs> it is that it's very interesting that any time in life we experience that. Like I, if I think I could do more. Mm-hmm. You know, I will. We've talked about cooking a lot, too. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that recipe looks a little more complicated, maybe a little challenging, but maybe I could maybe I could do it. Yep. So kids are like that. So that idea of give assignments or don't, I think we, we pretty much settle that for almost all students, giving assignment is key. Yep. yep. If, if you want them to do something. Then you come to the next branch on the decision tree. And that would be to create assignments or buy assignments. Okay. (laughs) And both are valid. Mm -hmm. Both are valid. 
obviously what we do in the TWSS is we try to teach people how to create their own assignments. The Mm -hmm. benefit here is that you can connect those assignments with the interest of the students. Mm -hmm. You can connect them with something that you are reading and talking about in history or science or one of the content areas so that there's that integration uh, with the other things you're learning and studying. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, a very ideal circumstance. Right. Unfortunately, you know, that may or may not be easy or possible. And if you buy assignments, then you run the risk of saying, well, these are very disconnected from what we're talking about, but they're okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay, too. You can do that. I think with our theme-based writing lesson, mm-hmm. uh, whole series, we've tried to create materials that give students the option, give teachers, really, parents and teachers, the option of saying, oh, hey, we happen to be studying kind of the medieval period of history this year. So, oh, look, medieval history-based writing lessons. There's a connection there. So those theme-based writing lessons are, are kind of in the middle between create it all yourself and buy some collection of random stuff. And so, you know, that's one, one thing that I think, you know, many people different co-ops that would have a kind of a history period or a theme is useful. So you have to either create the assignments or buy the assignments. And we we can help with both. Yes, we can. The next thing you have to decide about an assignment is, is this going to be a source-based assignment or a what I would call a brain-based assignment or okay. mind-based assignment? So in other words... Will the content for this writing come from an external source or will the student be dependent upon their own memory and imagination? A lot of writing programs kind of start with, you know, think of something to write about. Right. Then you can practice writing. Whereas what we have found, of course, is that source-based assignments are really a lot easier for almost everyone. Right. So, you know, in our unit one and two, you know, here's a little bit of interesting information about an animal or a person or a place or an Aesop fable. Mm -hmm. And you take the keywords from each sentence and you retell that content and you get immediately into an experience of writing something. Um, And that's perfectly valid because in the real world, a whole lot of writing is based on sources. You Mm -hmm. have information you need to distill or process or restate or represent that information for a different audience. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think, uh, well, you've had kids in college. I've had kids in college. We have a bunch of kids in college around here. And a lot of the time, I'll say just that skill of summarizing, Mm -hmm. being able to take, you know, too much information and select what's Mm -hmm. interesting, important, or relevant to the assignment, to the professor, to the circumstance, to the audience, just that skill is huge. Right. In fact, I would argue that probably most of what college kids do is not try to think up original stuff, but try to understand, perhaps add to, and then present, represent, uh, retell, re-explain existing information. Right. So there's a tremendous validity in saying, you know, even with young children, 
a good place to start is source-based assignments. Well, and especially because, you know, I really like how you're just breaking this down so simply, step by step. And you know, how to decide, are you going to teach writing or not teach writing? Are you going to use a source text or are you not going to? I mean, that in a way is our writing system, our structure and style approach. It's very simple to understand for the kids. They know what to do from the very beginning. And it gets just a little bit more that you add to it. Just just take the next step. Just make the next decision, which is not keywords from every sentence, but keywords from ideas in a story. And right. Following the story sequence chart with the, our unit three. So, great. Well, and, you know, I have talked in other of our podcasts, mm-hmm. um, probably thinking about the, you know, the arts of language. Yes. When we talk about uh, listening, speaking, reading, and writing, and the connection between those, you know, you, you realize that if something exist, if it pre-exists in words, Mm -hmm. then to re-articulate that in words is going to be an easier step. Right. Whereas if you're reliant on your memory or imagination, those things don't necessarily pre-exist in words. So you have to speak them into existence, Mm -hmm. which of course is dependent upon your vocabulary and uh, syntax database, which is built, as we've talked, of course, many times about, you know, extensive listening and reading, mm-hmm. as well as memorizing poetry and all right. that. But uh, what we we want to do is balance these two. Mm-hmm. So that's the next choice that you would make when you're choosing or creating an assignment. Is this a source-based assignment or a brain-based or mind-based assignment. Now, I will say that later on, as kids get older, upper middle school, high school, certainly above that, it's a combination. Sure. You have information and you have to say what you think about that information Mm -hmm. and merge those two together. But it is better to start by having them separate in the beginning so that those skills are developed. Mm-hmm. Then when you force the merging process mm-hmm. later on, uh, the skills are ready to go. Yep. So brain-based, source-based. Right. And then I'm done. Well, no, there are more there are oh, more okay. decisions <laughs> to be made. Okay. Um, probably one of the most important for the students themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just try an experiment. Okay. If I say, "Julie, yes, you have to write a paper." Great. Oh, I mean, oh boy. Yeah. Do you have any questions? I do. I'd like to know what you'd like me to write about. Okay. Well, I I think it would be good for you to learn about the Federal Reserve Banking System of the United States. So I happen to have here a nice little pile of books with information about the Federal Reserve Banking System. And this is why I'm glad we don't have video because I just <laughs> stuck out my tongue. The Federal Reserve. Now, that's not interesting to me, but I'm just, well, okay. Well, okay. I mean, gonna... you could pick anything though, right? Uh, you, you could talk about the history of California. You could talk about the mating habits of humpback whales. You could, I mean, you could honestly go anywhere. Um, well, but if, Okay, the, but let's just take for a moment because the Federal Reserve Banking System, I'm not sure you're aware of this, Andrew, but there is a Broadway play based on the character of Hamilton. That's yes. out right now. Uh, I, I'm totally aware. Totally aware of yes. it. So, so this is actually very relevant. Just do not ask my opinion. Anyway. Okay. So, so I have given heard... you a subject. Yes. 
and I have some materials available for you, or you can go get them yourself. Right. Okay. Do you have any other questions about this particular assignment? I do. I um, am hoping that the answer is a good one. I'd like to know how long you want it sure. to be, because then I have to ask when it's due. Right. Yes. Because if it's really long, I hope I have more time to write sure. it. Sure, and that's totally reasonable. So a lot of students will expect to know mm-hmm. how long. And that it seems, you know, initially to some people it might sound like a self-serving, like, what's the minimum I can possibly get by with so I can just eke this thing out and then go back to my normal life? Mm-hmm. But it's actually a very enlightened question because if you don't have a target length – you don't really know how much information shall I collect up, whether you, that's information from, you know, the pile that of books stack I of have, books, yes. or if it's information from my memory about my mm. camping trip. Right. So that idea, to me, is the most valuable thing I have learned mm. to help teachers and students, which is length is key. Length gives you a structure. Mm-hmm. Length dictates structure. If you know how much information to collect up, then you can proceed in the process. If you do not know, what do you do? You're 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 swallowed up. You are, you know, overwhelmed by the potential. Mm-hmm. If you have a big stack of books that all have a little bit of information about the Federal Reserve banking mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. You, you don't know what to do. And so there are many ways in which teachers have given assignments in length or we have received Mm -hmm. assignments in terms of length. What are some? Well, I have heard of teachers, and I have personally never experienced this, is just make it as long as you think you need to make it in order to cover the subject. Does anybody like that? No. Cover the subject? No. I'm just thinking, okay, like I'm actually intrigued about the Federal Reserve Banking System (laughs) and am compelled to write, depending on how long you're going to make my assignment. But if you tell me that, being a little bit of an overachiever perfectionist type, I will probably write 10 pages. And I don't have time for that. So I need to Only 10? Well... Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. But your point is you could write half a page Mm -hmm. of information summarizing what is the Fed? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Why do they? How did they come to be? And mm-hmm. what's their function today? Right. And and you could do that in a paragraph. You could also write ten pages. You could also write an entire book. Well, clearly, you've got a stack of five books there. In right. my imagination, you do, and they're all very thick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that you know that knowledge of length is so critical. So, mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest things. And I think most of us can remember if we had a teacher who said, you know, make it long enough to cover the subject. That whole idea that it's just arbitrary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that you should just figure it out, is so frustrating to students. So other teachers have used more specific numbers. What, what have you heard? Well, pages is very common. Pages. You you were in at uh, Biola, mm-hmm. and they would give you assignments, right? In yep. in number of pages, yep. like yep. this paper should be fifteen pages. Fifteen pages with a master's program. You yeah, know, and we did a lot of writing, so many pages, and many classes, and many assignments in each yeah. of those. So lots of writing. So mm-hmm. fifteen pages, and you you know you calculate that out, and it's somewhere around yep. three to four thousand words. Yep. 
the average, I have heard that the average undergraduate college paper mm -hmm. is three to four pages. Okay. So that would be, for most people, somewhere around 750 to 1,000 words. Yes, and we know that teachers, certainly none of the teachers listening to our podcast, but there are some teachers who do not want to give long writing assignments because they don't want to have to grade them. Well, no, who would? I mean, who wants to read a student paper more than like two pages? Right, and so we'll cover that in part two of yes. this, but okay, yes. so I've so got a 10-page paper to yeah, write. So number of pages. And then uh, sometimes you still see assignments in terms of number of words. Oh, right. Uh -huh. uh, this is actually very common in essay contests mm. or college application essays where they'll say, you know, either a maximum, a minimum, or a range. Mm -hmm. But neither of those is particularly helpful to the student because you think, okay, i got to write five pages how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Or four to five pages or yes. three to four pages. So the problem is that if you do pages or words, a student will kind of just, you know, start writing and they'll keep writing and they'll keep, you know, looking for things to include or thinking of things to add. And then they get enough. But there isn't a structure right. that is helpful to the reader uh, it's not likely going to score well, especially if the student ended up kind of jumping around and adding random things or worse, being redundant, mm -hmm. which is why in our system, we always give assignments in number of paragraphs. Right. And this is what length dictate structure actually means. Number of paragraphs. Number of paragraphs. Not words, not pages, because then you can predict it's so helpful. The structure. And you can Absolutely. say, okay, I need, you know, X number of paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And then you subtract out your introduction and your conclusion and you say, well, then I need Y number of topics. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, I want to have a certain number of details, maybe six, seven per topic. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I can go look at that stack of books and say, okay, I'm looking for three or maybe four or maybe five Topics mm -hmm. pertaining to what the Federal Reserve banking system is, and those might include, you know, the establishment, uh, the organization, the functions, the public opinion, you know, the current situation. Mm -hmm. and, and then you can go look for a certain number of facts within each topic, create an outline. And I tell you, if you have that outline, then writing it into prose is no huge task. Right. Without an outline, the risks are huge. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you say? And and did you say enough? And where do you indent? And all sorts of, right. you know, kind of <laughs> funny questions. So uh, that, I think, you know, if I had, you know, 10 minutes to talk to one teacher about how to help kids write better, it would be define length and number of paragraphs, talk about division so that you have a subject and then you divide it into topics, and then you say specifically, here's how many facts, maybe within a range, six to seven, five to seven, per topic, and do that outline. And then the end result, whether it is source-based writing or brain-based writing, because you do the same thing if mm -hmm. you said, uh, you know, write about your camping trip. You would say, okay, how many topics do I need? How many things can I say? And then, of course, we get into the questions of, which are the interesting, important, or relevant facts, or 
you know, what are the questions that help me access my memory and translate those memories uh, into words? Right. Uh, but that is the key thing there is length, structure, and then outline, and then writing becomes so much easier for mm-hmm. everyone. Right. So now we know how to teach writing. And so I'm going to, by next week, have written my, oh, I don't know, how long is my composition supposed to be? On You're not going to do it. Okay. I think you have more important things to do than research and write <laughs> about the Federal true. Reserve Banking System. But the, hypoth- <laughs> the hypothetical assignment that I'm not really going to do, that is, what, five paragraphs? And how are you now going to evaluate my writing? That's the topic that we're going to talk about next week. Evaluating writing? Yes. Do we have to? <laughs> I don't know. We'll start with that question next week. All Thanks, right. Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>